So how many gardeners do we have? Does anybody like to garden? One. Okay, we have one. Okay, this is great. So this is going to be a teaching lesson this morning for you. So if you're gardening, um, you'll know that that growth doesn't generally happen without some sort of struggle. And, And plants... They need to force themselves up to push through the earth. And potatoes are a perfect example. The, the more the potatoes grow, the, the gardener or the farmer will go ahead and throw more dirt onto those potatoes and, and force them to push even higher and stronger through the dirt to produce more yields. And then you take the cranberries, for example. It, they need to be harvested after a good frost in order to better produce sweeter fruit. And, and going through that stress of the cold and actually creates a better tasting cranberry. See, sometimes we forget that it's the hardships and the struggles that make for something better and and tastier and riper and more refreshing. In fact, uh, when I I used to work with a guy at a fire station named John, and he used to tell the story about uh, his mom who lived in a city in Southern California called Montebello. So I don't know if anybody knows where that is, kind of a small city. And he said that his mom's lemon tree just completely stopped producing. So he goes to this old timer and he's like, hey, you know, um, you got any ideas on how to grow a lemon tree or get a lemon tree to reproduce and or to produce more crop? And the guy goes, you take a sledgehammer to the trunk and you beat it until the bark splits. (laughs) And John's like, all right. So he goes home, goes to his, his mom's house, grabs a sledgehammer, and just knocks the snot out of this lemon tree. And sure enough, from the stress of all that, it opened up the trunk, and that lemon tree produced a bumper crop that year. And so John was really proud of that. And it just it shows the resiliency that happens that comes from struggling. And as followers of Christ, we should be looking at our own spiritual growth in much the same way. I mean, we... We like being comfortable, don't we? We don't like going through hardship. We don't like struggling. But it's in those moments of struggle that our spiritual growth just goes through the roof. And, you know, just as there's hardship in planting and in growing, so there's hardship in our growth and maturity in Christ. And even in, like, the weeding and the the mundane things. And then when we get to this harvest, there's a celebration when our lives produce this fruit, this bumper crop. Because God is alive within us. And there's a celebration when we, uh, when we watch the grace that covers the earth and we watch seedlings grow and we, and we see that sometimes even our own efforts produce something that sustains life because we're cooperating with God and his grace. And it nurtures us into maturity. And, and in that, we celebrate. And this parable today is another story of Jesus uh, that's appropriate to rethink the blessings of hardship and, and struggle and growth. And, and our text is a reminder that in seasons of sacrifice, those seasons are also seasons worth celebrating, worth reflecting as we go ahead and mature in the love of God. So if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word out of the New Revised Standard Version, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, 1 through 9. Again, he began to teach by the sea, such as a very large crowd gathered around him, that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. 
And he began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. Now that's key. A sower went out to sow, and he sowed, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and and the birds came and ate it up. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and, and spreading and sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Let anyone with ears hear, listen. You may be seated. This has been the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. See, much of our usual focus on this parable is, is on the cultivation of good soil. We just need to try harder. We just need to be better. We need to, to have a, a richer life. And, and our text is this well-known parable that's found in all, all the synoptic gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the theme of the parable is a life before God as we glimpse into the kingdom of God that comes at Christ's return. And with all aspects of Scripture, it's important that we set our narrative within the context of this text and so we can really glean what Jesus is saying about this. And this is during a time when Jesus is traveling and teaching and, and sharing. It's early in his ministry. And in the previous chapter, that in Mark 3, that Jesus is teaching and his mother and brothers come up and, and his response to, allows us to gain insight that Jesus that do the will of God, his family, his brothers and sisters. And and there's this inference of family that we partner with Jesus to do God's will, to do that which Jesus teaches and which is God's word. And, And that means we open our hearts to receive God's word and to obey it. And from this thread, we move from Mark 3, we move into, into our, our text today. And Jesus is teaching again. Now he's on the by the Sea of Galilee, and there's such a crowd that he gets into this boat and he sits down to accommodate everybody. And, and as Jesus shares this parable about, about the sower, it begins in verse 3, and Jesus states, listen, which is imperative to us. We need to be reminded that God speaks. We need to be reminded that we need to have ears that hear, and we need to be reminded that we need to listen, and this pronouncement of listen reminds his, li- his listeners actually what we forget, but what they didn't, because the New Testament wasn't written yet, remember? All right? So Jesus is speaking to a bunch of Old Testament people, and when you say listen, there's a command and a power that is reminiscent of the Old Testament prophets. In fact, that this parable is bookended with listen, and then on the other side, with anyone that hears, or anybody has ears, hear, listen. Listen, open up your ears and your hearts to the kingdom truth of how to live before God. And after Jesus states, listen, he moves to share that the sower goes out to sow, and and for those under familiar with sowing, because we only have one gardener, It refers to to spreading seeds out over the ground to be received by the soil, to take root and produce this harvest. And we see the sower goes out to sow intentionally. The sower has purpose, and that purpose is a harvest. 
And we also learn that Jesus gives commentary away from the crowd back to his disciples that reveals the specifics about this parable. And the seeds that are sown are actually God's word that are scattered with abundance by the sower and done through purposeful action. And then Jesus begins to unpack each of these four areas. The seeds are scattered through analogy and, and comparison. And some people are like the, the terrain or pathways in which is common to all humanity through the travels of life. And for some, we see that the, God's word is immediately grabbed up by the birds of the air, which is this allusion to the, the prince of the air, Satan whose goal is to, to steal the word from the hearts of those traveling upon life's byways and, and highways. And then Jesus moves on to those people that he describes as, as plants and rocky soil. And it's, it's not just rocks with soil in it. I mean, if, come on, we're in the Central Valley. If you're going to go out and dig, you're going to hit a rock. Right? That's not the type of soil that Jesus is talking about. Rather, he's talking about like decomposed granite that's covered by this like very thin layer of, of topsoil. It's more akin to, to how an arid plant would grow, and, but we're speaking about God's word. And his word being sown and, and shallow soil just won't cut it. It's not going to sustain the necessities of, of growing and thriving in a life in Christ. And Jesus shared these are received with joy, but, but they fall away when they face life's challenges, when they face the struggles because they don't have deep roots. And when the sun comes up, they just wither away. And then the third area is the seeds that are sown in a field. And here Jesus used this analogy to compare people to, to fields with thorns in it. Uh, some of you know, some of you don't know. Uh, Shelly and I raised our sons into Hatchby. And so it's up Bakersfield. You're going over to Mojave. It's at the very top. And... Um, when we lived in town, we had this field that, that I'd take our dogs for a walk in. And, and annually, the, the owner of the field would overturn everything. And it was covered and littered in weeds and uh, reveal this fresh soil. And then the, the rain would come because it was the mountains. And this, oh my goodness, this soil or this, um, this field was just epic. And you had all these like wildflowers and poppies and bluebells and, and weeds. And, um, and most of the weeds were goat heads. I don't know if you ever heard of goat heads, but they would go through the paws of a dog and they would actually go through my leather boots. And the wildflowers, as soon as they popped up, these weeds would just overtake them. And pretty soon the wildflowers would die and the weeds were the only things that, that stayed in the field. And, and it's because the seeds sown as those wildflowers just never took root the fullness of Christ is not realized because our focus isn't on the kingdom of God rather than the cares of the world, whether it be finances or power or politics or, or positions in society that steals the nutrients of the spirit within us. And if there is fruit, it never quite matures for a harvest. And then we see some people are good soil. And remember how Jesus begins this parable with this proclamation of, of listen and and the people that are like good soil hear the word of God and they receive the word of God and allow the word of God to take root in their lives and their hearts and bear a harvest to reveal fruit of discipleship that will be invested and harvested at Christ's return. And, and these are the ones that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples, that span generation over generation over generation. 
And they do so through sacrifice and, and hardship and the, and the storms in the winter and the brilliance and heat of the summer. And here we see that through the seeds that are scattered, the harvest is multiplied because it develops this culture of seed sowing, of, of hearing, of, of listening and, and receiving and allowing God's word to take root that bears fruit for the sake of others and to God's glory. You see, soil cultivation is a, a significant part of, of growing, and farmers and gardeners spend a lot of time on soil development. I, I married into a farming family, and I've always been amazed on the intentionality of the groundwork that begins this annual cycle on the farm that takes everybody's effort to bring a successful harvest. There's no different in the Christian community. If we're going to have a successful harvest, it takes the community to invest intentionally into one another. You know, there's some ways that, that they would develop good soil, and it was just to remove rocks, um, like carrots. When they run into a rock, they actually either, either stay super small or they'll split. Um, I remember Shelley's uncle going ahead and adding nutrients to the soil, and different plants and different crops need different nutrients. Tomatoes need egg and milk to where the soil <clears throat> offers more calcium, and, and many fruit trees prefer acidic oil or acidic soil. Um, and others just a nitrogen-dense soil. You know, you can also rotate crops. I mean, God is clear that, that even in Scripture, every seven years, the ground gets a rest so the, so the soil doesn't lose all of its nutrients and, and it can sustain being refreshed after it's been depleted for so long. And soil cultivation is good. However, there's assumption sometimes when we, when we go ahead and read this parable that, that the takeaway of, the, of it is that as a Christians, our primary job is to cultivate soil in our lives and, and the lives around us. And, and this interpretation can also make us try harder and work harder to just be better Christians. And sometimes we just miss the point. See, focusing on good soil as the only lesson of the text can cause us to focus on our own efforts. And, and it isn't bad. Soil cultivation is good. Please don't get me wrong or, or, hear me, or hear me wrong, and we should even encourage it. Um, fasting, for example, is a great way to open our hearts to, to the Lord. But, but if the sole focus of the parable is on cultivating soil, it can push us into a works view of faith. And discipline and spiritual disciplines and practices are good faith Practices they can lead us into a deeper relation with Jesus, and you know I just completed a, a four-month spiritual plan with 16 different foundational Christian disciplines in my life, and and those things are very good and they're tools to form us, but they're not brandish or earn favor with God, and instead these disciplines are an orientation to put us into a position where God can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. When we solely focus on our own efforts, it becomes problematic and because we cease to open our hearts to God's word and his work isn't as alive within us. And when we focus on our own efforts, when we focus on, on just being better and gooder, we may incorrectly conclude that, that God just seems silent and, and that means that we're just not working hard enough and and since we exist in this culture that values and rewards productivity, it's easy for us to transfer that mindset into our faith and into our relationship with God. You know, Sabbath is, is a great 
corrective practice to the idea that we should be producing more and more and more and working all the time and just trying to, to always never stop. Yet in Scripture, we see it differently. We see this jubilee, this year of jubilee, the Sabbath of Sabbaths, and it commands that even the fields be at rest that we just mentioned a little bit ago. And, and maybe we could say something about how that is good for cultivating soil. See, rest is a part of cultivating our, our souls. You know, the opposite is productivity. Uh, rest and play are incredibly important to our faith growth. And, and always working and striving for more communicates the message that, that maybe God's just not trustworthy. Maybe God doesn't care for us the way we think we need to. Maybe we got to just try a little harder and do a little more, well, if God's not doing what I need, I'm going to have to go ahead and take care of it and do God's job for him. So do we trust God to do the work in us and in the around us, even if we aren't striving to force to work to make that happen? And when we try to work to harder to earn God's love and we try to earn harder to earn God's grace, we're always left wanting. And, and these things are not given to us because of what we do. Rather, they're given out of a relationship. This, this grace is a for our good behavior and, and love is freely given to us because we are beloved by God. Each of you is beloved and never forget that. God is the one who loved us first and always and God loves others first even when we disagree with them. And when we focus on our efforts, we can incorrectly conclude that the reason that our loved ones and our friends and, and our family are accepting Christ is that we just aren't doing enough and at times there can be, you know, we could obviously do things diff or differently, but focusing too much on, on our own efforts discounts the free will of our loved ones and, and our friends and our family. And it discounts the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives as well as our own. And focusing on our own effort often just brings legalism and, and that belief that we're honoring God if we do the right things and, and say the right things and act the right way. And although faith and action are intertwined and we see that in scripture, we cannot make the mistake of thinking that we've earned God's grace or else legalism may not be the, the only deficient theology that we, we find ourselves fallen into and trapped in. And then it brings the health and, and wealth and prosperity go gospel and and that can begin to mess up our thinking. And, and then all of a sudden, if you work hard enough and you, and you do the right things, God's going to bless me with material goods. Or we begin to see God as this cosmic Santa Claus that he only rewards the good girls and, and the good boys. And if bad things happen, then it's God's will because, you know, he's punishing us. You know, the, the key player in today's text, in this parable, is not the cultivator of the soil, but the sower of the seeds. And we can't forget that. This sower is generous and gracious in the way that he sows seeds. And he's not seeking out any specific soil, but is extravagantly scattering these seeds. I mean, just imagine this seed in it. And, and this guy is just throwing them out. I remember when I was growing up, the, um, we'd go to weddings and you threw birdseed back then. And it was just like, you're extravagant 
with throwing your bird seed. At least I was, especially when I was young. And, and this, this, there's a measure of hope in, in what we see in the sower and, and sowing. And this farmer knows, it knows the cultivated soil. And the farmer for knows the steps to getting the soils grow, yet he throws the seeds everywhere. And perhaps out of hope that even some of the rough places may go grow and and maybe some of the that falls on the path may take root or maybe in the weeds maybe in the rocky soil sowing so many seeds is this act of extravagance and if there were a seed shortage obviously the farmer would be more vigilant to ensure that the seeds fall in the places that guaranteed to be fruitful the farmer's not afraid of a shortage remember this is god's word and and even that they're there's a guarantee that there's going to be some fruit. But the farmer's not afraid of the shortage. And, and even when the seeds fall where, where they're not going to thrive, the far, farmer sees this generous crop at the end of the parable. And, and like sharing our faith and discipling others, when we live abundantly and open to everyone, even those that reject the seed which is scattered, there's still a place of hope that that place can, can become fertile. And there's a connection between the seeds being sown and and this prevenient grace of the Holy Spirit. And prevenient grace is that grace that goes before us and invites us into the Lord. And and it doesn't discriminate. It's not legalistic. And and it's extended toward the world. We've got to remember John 3.16. For God so loved me. No. For God so loved the world. And even if people choose not to receive the grace of God, prevenient grace is still extended to them. The Holy Spirit is continually at work. God's word is generous. God's word is extravagant. And these seeds of grace that are sown are scattered everywhere. Some grow, some don't. But God is generous and extravagant with his grace and extended around the globe in all time. And seeds are also an illustration to the kingdom of God in our text found in Scripture. We, we see a mustard seed uh, that's growing you know, quite small and then grows very large. We see faith compared to a mustard seed that uh, just a little bit can move a mountain. Uh, Matthew, we see Jesus comparing people to a ripe harvest that there aren't enough workers. And, and this text is often used to... <clears throat> to talk about the fact that we need to raise up disciples and the fact that, that in this harvest, the focus is not on just on the present, but also having a mindset on the future when Christ returns. And these continued examples of seeds and, and harvest help us to see this participatory nature of the kingdom of God. And as we co-labor with the Holy Spirit to do the work of the kingdom, and it's never a work that we just do on our own. Yet, even as we co-labor and do so as, as God's community, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, of, of believers, we mature and we learn to discern God's word and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and apply it to our lives as we understand that the Holy Spirit is always the key player and the initiator and the sustainer of the work. And then the last point is you don't need to survive to earn God's, you don't need to strive to earn God's love and grace. Instead, we need to trust that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and in the world. And, and we can celebrate growth that's taking place in our lives because we know that God is faithful. Amen. We need to remember that, that God is not faithful because we're just trying harder and doing more 
God's not faithful because of any of the work we do. It's because of his very character. And we can celebrate and trust that God is at work in this world, even a country that is divided as ours. And when it appears that God isn't, the harvest still flourished. Even though some of the seeds fell on rocky soil and the brambles that got eaten up. But if we look only at places where the seeds aren't growing, we miss all the places that it's flourishing 30 and 60 and 100 fold. And we need to open our eyes and learn to participate more fully in the active work of God around us. Listen. Those that have ears, hear and listen. You know, we don't need to be stingy when we extend grace and love to others. The farmer was extravagant in the way that he sowed seeds, and we should follow that example in our lives. We don't need to be judgmental or guard or hold back our love and grace from others, and we should be extending it to everyone. And there's no limiting sharing the good news. You can't share it enough. And there's no limiting God's love and his grace. And we should, we should be sharing it with everybody. And not just in our words, but in how we treat one another. And some are going to flourish and, and some won't. Uh, some will be part of our lives. Some will become distant. But that doesn't stop us from sharing and trusting God's faithfulness and, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is a great example of the already not yet kingdom of God. The, the kingdom is here. The seeds have been planted. But we still have yet to experience the complete glory of the harvest. We trust that the harvest is coming because Jesus is coming again. Fact. And we also focus so much these days on what we're doing in order to grow our relationship with Christ. Sometimes we forget the most important person in our relationship with Jesus is not us. It's Jesus. And we forget the greatest work... To be done is by the grace of the Holy Spirit, and the greatest growth happens when we stop striving with our own efforts and we surrender and rest in what God is doing. And this occurs when we open our hearts to receive his word in all aspects of our life, when we respond through the listening of the word and and then receive it and allow the word to take root in our lives and bear fruit through obeying it. But regrettably, we can... Our striving can reflect in our relationship with others as well as we try harder to get them to to look a certain way and, and act specifically in the way that we think they should because we're just not willing to love them extravagantly. And we learn from this story, from this parable, that God is at work extravagantly bestowing his grace upon all of us. We learn that there's enough for all of us and we can trust that this life is growing and will continue to grow if we have eyes to see and trust that we have ears to hear and we listen and we begin to celebrate the work that God is doing now. And so we got a challenge this week. You know, whether you you speak to a friend or family member, uh, coworker, barista at Starbucks or barista, uh, there's the challenge. Got three questions, and it's on the um, sermon notes. Where in your life are you holding back and scattering seeds? Two, are you trying hard? Are you trying to work harder to earn God's love, or co-working with the Holy Spirit to reveal God's grace and love through you? 
And three, what type of farmer would your neighbors, your friends, and your coworkers describe you as? Stingy or extravagant? So if you are able to, would you please stand to receive a blessing? And just stick your hands out here and just take it all. May you open your hearts and listen for the word of God. May you receive his word and allow it to take root in all areas of your life. And may his word bear an abundant harvest through the Holy Spirit's work inside you and around you. May you engage in God's prevenient grace as you go into the mission field by loving, growing, and serving as a Fresno First family. You are sent. Amen.